Welcome back, folks. It is season two, episode one of Football, a podcast. We are coming to you with a special episode um, just in reaction to all the craziness that is happening in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns, the Deshaun Watson trade, the Baker Mayfield drama, uh, the free agent frenzy. So uh, typically we're going to come back with a draft episode, draft prep, scouting like we did last year. But just with so much going on, we figured we would jump on. Um, So I am Matt Lucas. I am your host today. And on with me is Bill great to be here I, I guess i'm not sure if this is the beginning of season two if it if it is then then great I, we didn't really leave off on a cliffhanger so to speak um but a uh, lot going on seems like the news cycle never really stopped uh which i'm sure is music to commissioner goodell's ears um but yeah i i uh, i'm excited to get into it yeah it's interesting i was thinking about it today um it seems like every sport in america is the little brother to the NFL. Um, the NFL is just dominating every every part of the calendar at this stage of the game. I mean, I don't even know what's happening in March Madness. I like haphazardly filled out a bracket because I don't really care. I'm I'm busy, you know, doing draft prep. I'm busy checking out the free agent signings and the trades and blockbuster deals. All the craziness that's happening. Um, but uh, it's it's great for the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I I filled out a, a bracket. I I think one of them I picked Kentucky in. So I, I that uh, March Madness is over for, over for me uh, fairly quickly. Yeah. Um. But uh, I've actually been spending most of my time, and maybe a little bit of a shameless plug here, but uh, I've been spending most of my time on my uh, my first iteration of my mock draft, which should be out earlier uh, this week, uh, depending on when you listen to this. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, yeah. I felt bad. Um, you had a really well thought out, very well done mock draft that you had passed over to Zach and I for, for review uh, before we posted it. And it, the bill did a fantastic job for the listener's sake. I mean, it was just really well done. Um, a lot of great thinking that went into it. And then the Deshaun Watson deal happened and everything that was in there just shifted. Um, so a little bit of a redo is I'm sure, I'm sure most people are had to do as well uh, in the wake of the Deshaun trade. But really where we want to spend the bulk of our time today is talking through Cleveland. You know, what does this mean for the Browns? What does this mean for Deshaun Watson? Uh, sort of how does the NFL landscape change with, with the change? Um, you know, our instant reactions to that trade. And then we're going to talk about some, some winners and losers uh, from what we're seeing so far in free agency. Some teams have had some sneaky good moves, some teams that have made some really bad decisions as there typically is in the NFL. Uh, but let's open up with Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns, three first round picks heading to the Houston Texans. Uh, Deshaun waived his no trade clause to go to Cleveland after informing like a day earlier that the Browns were out of the running. They were the fourth of the four teams. Uh, And then all of a sudden by some sort of hail Mary, I'm not sure what you would call it. um, He is in Cleveland, Baker Mayfield uh, being shopped on the open market. What are your instant reactions, Bill? Well, uh, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of facets to this, right. And, and for, for our purposes here, I'm going to stick to, to the on the field, uh, type things. I mean, obviously there's, there's a lot of other ancillary things that are going on with, with Deshaun Watson. You look at, you know, legal proceedings, accusations, things like that. Um, the only thing I'm going to say there is, you know, he still faces 22 accusations of something very, very serious. Um, 
and I and I think that you cannot help but let that bleed over into the evaluation of the fit, right? Um, you know, I, I understand what Cleveland was trying to do in finding that that what they view to be a franchise quarterback. Um, they feel like they're they're close. I think they feel like they're a quarterback away. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. Um, I think the way that they went about this was completely ham-fisted. Um, and, and listen, I, I don't think there was a way to do this. In fairness to them, I don't think there was a way to do this without you know angering Baker Mayfield. And I don't think that Baker Mayfield's the type of guy that's gonna be a good you know sort of team player when when all that comes down. So I, I don't necessarily know how how you really can navigate that anyway. I think this is always going to be a a situation that was going to end in divorce as soon as it leaked that they wanted to talk to Watson. That said, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if Watson is as good as they think he is. I also don't know about the mortgaging of the future. You know, you talk about three first round draft picks. Those are, I mean, that's, there's a lot of value in that. And as I look at, at Watson's resume, um, you know, he, he, you know, I've got his, I've got his records, you know, here in front of me. 2017 first year he was three and three then he was 11 and five then he was 10 and five and then he was four and 12. Um, I think he's an above average quarterback um, but that said I don't think he's this generational type of player that that he's been made out to be or you know that is worth three first round draft picks especially given the fact and I have to mention this that he's going to get suspended and there's still more stuff out there. Um, and you never know, you, you know, I mean, Matt, you know, with these news cycles, there can be new details that emerge at any time. And even if a team is aware of what's out there now, there's always the threat of there could be X there could be. And, and I don't know what, what that would potentially look like, but they would then need to respond to those allegations within that news cycle. Um, just because he gets suspended and, and, and does his time, this is not one accusation. This is 22. Um, this is not a trade that I would have made. That's the way that I'll that I'll wrap that up. Yeah, I I'm in agreement with a lot of things that you said. And I know we talked about this a little bit uh, before we we jumped onto the show. But what I'll say about the Cleveland Browns here is um, what you saw in their pursuit of Deshaun Watson is what I would call a masterclass in buffoonery. Um, this, this was an absolutely, I mean, they got bailed out by the fact that Deshaun Watson at the 11th hour changed his mind. Had that not been the case, this front office, whether it's Kevin Stefanski, whether it's Jimmy Haslam, the GM, whoever it is, whoever's in charge of, of keeping leaks out of the building, um, you know, a complete and utter failure on the part of the Cleveland Browns. You go ahead and you make your flirtation with Watson public. You then have someone in your organization leak to Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter that you want an adult in the room. So you take a shot at Baker Mayfield for no reason, right? This is a guy in Baker Mayfield who, 
you can have your gripes about too many commercials. You can have your gripes about throws too many interceptions, bad decision-making from time to time. Definitely not one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. But you take a guy who won your first playoff game for you in 30 years, a guy that took an 0-16 franchise and turned them around uh, into a, a playoff contender, uh, actually a play a playoff team uh, that made it to, I think, yeah, I think almost the AFC Championship game, um, got hurt, played through a pretty debilitating shoulder injury for you, and all you can come back for that guy is we need an adult at quarterback. I think adult would be a guy that plays through pain, a guy that plays through, through injury for your franchise. Um, and he's the only adult that they've had in that room for quite some time. Um, and then to have ego in your face with the fact that you quote unquote want an adult and you replace Baker claiming he's childish with a guy that's, that's been accused of 22 acts of sexual misconduct. So there's yeah. a, a lot of hypocrisy there. I'll take a pause so you can try. Yeah, in. no, I, I think you're exactly right. Um, it, but you know, I will say, you know, two things can be true at once. Um, yeah. you know, they, they handled it in a very poor way. Um, but I think, I think there's, I, where there's smoke, there's fire, especially in terms of Baker and his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, and I mean, there, there's always kind of been mutterings. I mean, you can even go back to when he was at Oklahoma. I mean, there was, there was always, you know, sort of commentary, but I think he's got one of those personalities that you can deal with if you're winning, but if not, then, then that's a different story. But to your point, he gutted out a, a debilitating shoulder injury mm-hmm. pretty much all year. And I think it did a ton to damage his, his stock. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we went into, into last season, you know, before, before, you know, opening day talking about how Baker was, you know, eh, more of a ma- game manager, etc. Um, but he at least had, he had shown some improvement. Um, I, I think that they should have figured out a way, um, to, to manage this, uh, I mean, quite a bit better. Cause again, if if Deshaun Watson doesn't bail them out, you're you've you've angered your starting quarterback with no plan B other than trading him and, and taking case, you know, taking Case Keenum from backup to he's our guy now, which I don't think is anybody's idea of a of a a, a move that a team that thinks it's that close to winning a Super Bowl would make. Um so yeah, Watson definitely build them out. I think I think in terms of Mayfield, maybe it's better just to get a, maybe it's better just to get a a fresh outlook, a, a new team, um, and, and he's going to get that opportunity. I mean, I think there have been rumblings about the Colts and, and the Seahawks. Uh, the other thing that I would mention, um, and this you know I'll, I'll I can cover this too in my mock a little bit, but the desperation. Um, and this is more of a holistic thing, but the desperation of other teams to find a quarterback, um, I think that really says something about the draft class um, and how they view the top quarterbacks in this draft class. Because I'm seeing a lot of people falling over themselves to not have to draft a quarterback in the first round. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we've sort of talked about it a little bit off uh, offline, but this is not a great quarterback class coming out. Um, so I know it's, it has a reputation even, even before we got into the combine and stuff of not being a great quarterback class. 
Um, I know we're getting some prep done for uh, our, you know, our quarterback scouting evaluations. Um, it's pretty ugly, folks. It's ugly up and down from the top of the board to the bottom of the board. Um, I don't trust any of these guys as franchise quarterbacks, not to give too much away. I see one individual who has the potential, uh, but is currently not a ready-made product by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I don't think there should be uh, more than two quarterbacks taken the first round. I really only think there should be one. Everyone else, I think, is a middling, middle-tier kind of guy. Um, just by contrast, I think if you took Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, go down the line, Sam Howe, whoever you want to throw out there, and you put them in last year's draft class, these are third and fourth round picks, every single one of them. None of these guys have the talent of a Justin Fields or even a Zach Wilson or Mac Jones, um, even Trey Lance. You know, I know we, we've not been super high on Lance on this program. Lance is far and away better than every single quarterback coming out in this particular class. So teams are making desperation moves. Um, but there is one comment that I do want to make, and I want your perspective on this Yeah. with regard to Deshaun Watson. Um, you made a comment that like, Here's his record. Here's how he's performed. He's a 26, 27-year-old quarterback. Um, so mm-hmm. he's been in the league a while. When I think of a franchise guy, when I think of a guy who who elevates the people around him, a guy who steps in a locker room and the culture just changes for the better, I think of Peyton Manning. I think of Tom Brady. I think of um, Aaron Rodgers. You could probably throw Ben Roethlisberger into into that. I mean, these are all guys in their prime, right? Um, you know, there's a, there's some of those names that I'll sort of throw out there as contemporaries: Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. They elevate guys, and you can see the difference between um, between certain players. And like for example, you you made the comment about Matt Stafford unlocking Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. That that marriage of a great quarterback with the right situation. When Pey- like I think of Peyton Manning going to Denver, I think of Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Russell Wilson very well could do the same type of thing. Uh, the transformation of the Kansas City Chiefs by Patrick Mahomes being drafted there. Of those guys that I listed off, and I'll, I'll relist them for the group: um, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning. Patrick Mahomes. Those are kind of the the best examples. Drew Brees is another one coming from uh, the Chargers to the Saints. None of those guys have ever put out what I would call a stinker season. No matter how bad the talent was around them, no matter, I mean, I don't think Ben Roethlisberger ever had a losing season. Tom Brady, I don't think has ever had a losing season or he's maybe had a 500 season. Um, Same goes for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, go down that list. Deshaun Watson had a four and twelve season, and I did not see Deshaun. I I still don't see Deshaun Watson as the type of guy who is going to elevate the people around him and change the culture of an organization in such a way. And you saw how he acted with going to Houston, the sideshow that he created for the Texans. I think this is a kind of an immature guy from what we've seen and some of the allegations that are against him. I don't know if I'm willing as any franchise, I don't care how young or how talented an individual is. I don't think he's a guy. I don't think he's one of those dudes. And I think Cleveland thinks he is. And I think this is going to 
backfire on them, but I'll just take a pause and, and get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I know. I agree with, I agree with a ton of that, especially the the part about elevating a franchise. I, I mean, I, I mean, other than Manning's rookie year, I mean, I can't think of a time where any of those guys had a four and 12 record. And, and to be clear, he gave up on that team. Uh, yeah, towards demanded the end of the a season. Trade. Yeah, demanded a trade. A trade. Right Didn't want to be there. Um, you know, the other thing that I'll that I'll mention, you know, you people people view him as this sort of, you know, unbelievable passing talent and those types of things. And and I actually, and not to bring it to fantasy football, but I mean I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna share this with you. And I and I believe I sent this this particular message probably two years ago now. Um but I had Watson on my fantasy team and I was watching a game um, and I, and I said, said a text to the entire group. I'm like, this guy is so overrated because he would compile a bunch of stats at the end of games when the outcome was already out of hand. Um, he did a lot of garbage time stuff, but he would go into, he would go into halftime, you know, uh, call it six of 20 for, you know, 78 yards, a touchdown and, and, you know, five sacks. And that's another thing that you really have to keep an eye on with him is sacks. Um, I'm going to read off since 2018, 2018, he was sacked 62 times, um, 2019, 44 times, 2020, uh, also 49 times, 44 in 2019 and 49 in 2020. And granted, they did not have a very good line at that, at that time, but, um, the other thing that you notice, and I, and I, and I pulled this stat up specifically for this conversation between 2018 and 2020, he, his QBRs were 61, 70 and 63. Where do you think, and I'll, I'll pose this question to you, Matt, where do you think that falls in terms of the quarterbacks that played last year in terms of QBR? It's got to be probably ranked between 20 and 32. Correct. We are at Sam Darnold, Trevor Lawrence levels Ooh, right there. That's rough. So if you think that this guy is going to come in there day one and make you that much better, you are sorely mistaken. Now, he's he's definitely a good talent and those types of things, but in terms of the cost to acquire him, the risk that he is going to get suspended and the damage to your organization's reputation around the league yeah. and with your fan base, this was a no-brainer poor decision. Yeah, you're going to spend a quarter of a billion dollars. A quarter of a billion dollars. Three first-round picks. That's not counting additional compensation past the first round. And on a guy who's going to be suspended by the NFL. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is probably the closest use case that we have. And Ben had two incidents. Um, neither was a conviction very similar to the, the Watts situation. He got four games. It was a six-game suspension that got reduced to four for good behavior. Okay, well, what's the NFL going to do with 22 people? Yeah. And you have no idea. That's the problem. Like right. you literally have no idea. And it's not like, I mean, I mean, and I'm sure there's some of this going on, you know, Jimmy Haslam, you know, shoulders up to Roger Goodell. Hey, how many games is, is Deshaun going to get? And I'm sure there's some of that, 
but you you don't know what is going to come out. This is still ongoing. The NFL's mm-hmm. the NFL's investigation is ongoing here. Yeah. Um, and I it's interesting they they timed that that statement. You know, even though he was traded, the NFL still felt it necessary to say, "Hey, listen, we're still looking into this, and it's it's possible. You know, we we reserve the right to continue um, the investigation and to suspend him if need be." Yeah, I mean he's he's going to get suspended. I think that's a given. So yeah. your quarter billion dollar, all the draft compensation that you give up, uh, the the black eye that you feel um, for the organization. I mean, how many Browns fans are going out there deleting old school Roethlisberger tweets? Twenty years worth of Roethlisberger tweets. You're probably racing to, yeah. to delete those now. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about. Um, but from an organization, from a football standpoint. You know, we've already talked about why we don't think the Watson move is a good move. This is this is you're not getting Patrick Mahomes. He is not Josh Allen. He's not even Russell Wilson. I think at this point in his career, he's not proven that. Um, you, but you're giving up all this stuff for a guy who walked out on his team in Houston, uh, demanded a trade, 22 sexual assault accusations, um, and give up all that for 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 this guy. But on the football field. You have Amari Cooper, who I would consider to be a downgrade from Odell Beckham Jr. You lose Jarvis Landry. You let Treader, your starting center, go. Um, you release Austin Hooper, and you have David Njoku as your number one tight end. Now, you still have Kareem Hunt, who plays probably four or five games a year before he gets hurt for the season. Nick Chubb, who is incredible. There's no there's no blaspheming Nick Chubb on this program. He's fantastic. Um, but do you really think this team is a contender? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. David Njoku is not a number one tight end. He's had five years to prove that he's a number one tight end, and he he's just not. You have no number two wide receiver. You have Amari Cooper, who is not nearly up to the talent. I mean, there's a reason Dallas only gave up a sixth round pick for him. He's just not that good. Um, I, I don't I don't see how all these people are coming out saying Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl contender. They're the third best team in the AFC North as far as I'm concerned behind Cincinnati and Baltimore. And you never know what happens with Pittsburgh. But as of right now, I, I, I don't get it. No, I don't get it either. And, you know, I, I think that if you look at the totality of the roster and you mentioned some of the turnover on the offensive side of the ball, but they also lost to Davion Clowney. Uh, you know, I still think the defense is good, but I wouldn't call it, you know, overwhelming. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, and it's interesting now they're engaging, they're re-engaging Landry and potentially bringing him back. Um, but Amari Cooper is a good brand name. Um, but Amari Cooper is not the same guy that he was coming out of Alabama. Um, you know, there are times he does a lot of walk routes. <laughs> I have no other way to put it. Yeah. Um, low low I, effort player. He's a low yeah, effort player. He's a low effort player. Every time, every time you throw him the ball, it's like you're bothering him. <laughs> I don't have any other way to say that. I, I just, I think that it, they are continuing to chase names. But the other thing that's fascinating is the fact that they blamed all of their issues on Odell Beckham. And listen, I'm not a huge Odell Beckham fan by any means, but you trade him away for for peanuts, and I mean he he goes and helps the team win a Super Bowl. And you know and, whether you like him or not, 
Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And he should have been, had he not gotten hurt, he could have been the MVP of that game. That oh, Rams yeah. offense, the complexion of that Rams offense totally changed when he left the field um, until they started to rely on Cooper Cup. But think about this. Your number one wide receiver. Now, granted, they didn't give up a lot of capital for him, so I, I get that. But the Raiders, but there's a reason for that. The Raiders gave up on him, and the Cowboys ditched him for a six-round pick. What does that tell you about teams that have had this guy in their locker room? Yeah. They, they don't value him. The Raiders were willing to part with him. The Cowboys were willing to part with him for practically nothing, and you're going to rely on that guy to be the individual who carries a passing offense that, listen, Kevin Stefanski, you can blame Baker Mayfield all you want. Kevin Stefanski hasn't shown me that he can develop any kind of wide receivers at all. He can't, he's, you, you cannot prove to me outside of maybe one game against the Pittsburgh Steelers in a wild card game where we all know Pittsburgh choked that game away. And maybe the opening game this past season against Kansas City, that really close one where Baker threw the pick and, and they lost that, that opener game. But outside of that, I've never seen a Kevin Stefanski-led passing attack flourish in any way with Odell Beckham, without Odell Beckham, with Jarvis Landry, without Jarvis Landry. David Njoku's not been productive. Austin Hooper was one of the most productive tight ends in the NFL in Atlanta. Signs in, in Cleveland, and they just cut him for nothing. Yeah. So I don't care if you have Amari Cooper. I don't care if you have Deshaun Watson. If your coach can't call plays... And it only looks like he knows how to call run plays at this stage of the game. Until he proves that he can run a functioning pass game, I'm I'm not buying any stock in the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And and listen, you, you said they're the they're probably the third best team in the North. I don't necessarily know about that. I yeah. mean now granted I'm I'm biased, um, you know, because I'm a Steeler fan, but I don't I don't think they're they're head and shoulders better than the Steelers. I understand that in a division with Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and now Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky doesn't look like great shakes, but right. don't discount the rest of that roster. Um, so I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see the, the way, the way that all shakes out. But um, I think to wrap up the, the Watson, the Watson discussion, um, it was, it was just, it was a, it was a bad move. It made them look bad. Um, and those, those first round parks picks are, but on the other side, and, and we, I would be remiss if I did not mention this, the fact that the Texans got their three first round picks for a guy that whether he, whether he's guilty, whether he's not is damaged goods for the rest of his career. Basically the yeah. fact they got three first round picks for a guy that's still going to get suspended, Man, and now yeah. don't be wrong. I don't think the Texans are well run at all. But no. hey, you got three first round picks to work with now. Yeah, in the next couple of years, and I, I believe including the the Cleveland's first round pick for this year. Um, don't sleep on on you know Davis Mills. He improved towards the the end of last it year. Played enough really well. Yeah, really he played well. very well. Um, don't sleep on the fact that you know they may not be a doormat next year. Um, I don't think they're going to be, you know, a, you know, a threat to, you know, do anything in the playoffs or anything like that, but they're, they're going to be far more competent this year. 
uh, with a with a Davis Mills coming in with a full year under of mm-hmm. experience under his belt and armed with those draft picks. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's a way to recoup some of the picks that that Bill O'Brien forfeited um, during yeah. his tenure. The other the other person this this will be one of the last comments we'll make on sort of the deal itself. I think the Texans are absolutely a winner, so I, I agree with you hundred percent. The other person who I think is a winner, and it may not look like it right now, but I'm on the Baker Mayfield train. I was I agree a hundred percent. I think. In sort of, I brought it to light a little bit with my Kevin Stefanski comments. He's never run a productive passing attack. He just hasn't. He's not proven to me as a head coach that he can do that. And he's supposed to be an offensive mind. Great run game, but I, I don't see anything from their passing game to be to be worried about. If Baker Mayfield lands in Indianapolis with Frank Reich, I really on a on a prove it to me contract. With you know, he's got one year left on his deal, and the Colts may want to give him more if they trade for him. I think it's the location he wants to go to. But listen, Frank Frank Reich has done wonders with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. He did wonders with Nick Foles in Philadelphia. He got competent play out of Carson Wentz last year, who's a shell of who he once was, and he got pretty good play out of out of an old broken down Philip Rivers. Imagine what this guy can do with Baker Mayfield. And yet imagine what Baker Mayfield can do if you put him in an offense that has some semblance of competency. Um I I would really like to see him end up in um I know Seattle's in the mix. I wouldn't want to see him in Seattle. I think that's a that's a a bad landing spot for him despite having Tyra Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um, I wouldn't want to see him go to Carolina. I think Carolina's a bit of a mess right now. Um, but in Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman you can see what Baker Mayfield's really about, so I'm I'm excited for him. Yeah, and and to that to that point, can you can you tell me that you would rather not rather not have a healthy Baker Mayfield over the the shell of Philip Rivers or um, Carson Wentz that that the Colts have had for the past two years? I would take a healthy Baker all day, even if he oh, doesn't yeah. have to throw the ball a ton. Absolutely. Um, it's a, it'd be an, a phenomenal landing spot, but I, to your point, I also, I'm not like, if I'm Baker, I'm not really interested in Seattle. I, I don't like the way that offensive line is shaping up. Mm-hmm. I think Seattle's set up to tank, yeah. but I think Pete Carroll kind of doesn't has too much pride to tank. So that may be kind of like a, uh, you know, half in half out situation that, yeah. that may just get kind of weird, uh, out there in Seattle. But, um, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I hope, I hope Mayfield does. Cause listen, it, it, he's not, it's not like he's got these personality foibles that nobody can work with. I don't yeah. believe that, but you have to be in the right situation and you have to be coached and managed the right way. Listen, mm-hmm. you think he's the only guy on that team with an ego? You're kidding yourself. Oh, yeah. um, but the fact that you can't manage that is a problem, and I think that speaks to to Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And just to comment a little bit about you know sort of what Baker's situation is going to look like, um, I do not want to go to Seattle if I'm Baker Mayfield. I would probably go to the Cleveland Browns and even say like, if you send me to Seattle, I'm probably going to. Uh, he's got a rookie contract, so he doesn't necessarily have a no trade clause. Um, but I would be kind of pushed in to be like, please don't send me to Seattle. Find a way to get me to Indianapolis because I don't want to have to play the 49ers and the Rams and the Cardinals twice. Yeah. That's just, it's, it's a tough division. Seattle's clearly far and away the worst team in that division. Um, what I would do is, you know, listen, you go to Indianapolis, you've got a Tennessee Titans team, which is not overly intimidating. Um, you've got 
Texans who are in a rebuild, Jags who are in a rebuild. Indy looks like a real nice spot for Baker, and I would love to see him just turn around and show Cleveland what he can actually do and really show all of us what he can actually do in a competent offense. Yeah, and and honestly, you know, maybe Baker does the, hey, listen, I don't care where I play as long as I get a starting gig. And then maybe you go the Trubisky route for, you know, if things don't work out, you go the Trubisky route, sit sit for, you know, a year, you know, behind a, a really highly competent quarterback or something like that, and then see what you get in free agency. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but also pretty pretty interesting thing to see with, with, with Davis Mills that Baker was not a part of the compensation for the Watson deal. Uh, they the, didn't want him. Yeah, the confidence. That's that, interesting. That, that says a lot. Yeah. I don't think it's a detri- I don't think it's an indictment of um, of Mayfield. I think it's it's uh, um, advocating for for Davis Mills and really how well he played towards the back half of the season. Agreed. Agreed. I think Houston may may have some success here. Um, and again, you know, it, obviously the wheels fell off last season. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, they were scrappy. I mean, especially the early portion of the season. I know David Culley was was set up to fail from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but they they never really quit. I mean, my guy Brandon Cooks, man, it didn't matter if they mm-hmm. were getting blown out. He was still going to have a thousand yard season. Um, and I, I I think that they could potentially be a fun team to, to yeah. watch next year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think David, David Cully got gypped a little bit because um, that team did play hard for him throughout the season, but we'll see what Lovey Smith can do. Um, yeah. Things are looking up for, I think the first time in a while in Houston. So good for them. Yeah. They, they finally got the, they finally got rid of the O'Brien Watson era in its yeah. totality. So yeah, a new day, a new day dawns in, in Houston. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with that being said that, you know, there's not just been the Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns move. There's been a lot of other movement uh, in the NFL. You had Devontae Adams uh, taking the franchise tag and then getting shipped off to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, apparently something Aaron Rodgers was aware was um, that a trade could happen, that that Adams may not be there. Um, so he's reuniting with Derek Carr in Vegas. Uh, you had Khalil Mack moving over to the Los Angeles Chargers. So uh, not even factoring in the Russell Wilson deal where Seattle sends Wilson to Denver. So the AFC West is becoming quite the powerhouse of a division. Um, so a lot of movement, uh, quarterback movement. You have Trubisky uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh you know, a lot of different signings that are happening. Uh, we can't cover everything in its totality, but uh, tell me who are your winners uh, or a couple early winners of free agency and sort of the trades, whether it's players or teams. Well, winners, and I, I assume we're going to go uh, one and then, then you give me one and we'll go back and forth a little bit. I would be remiss if I didn't um, mention the possibly financially the biggest winner of free agency in, in Christian Kirk, uh, a mediocre wide receiver with a little bit of upside who just landed a four year, $72 million contract with $37 million guaranteed to go play for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team devoid of talent up, up until this point. Um, it was, I mean, they are throwing around cash like nobody's business. Um, and then they also signed Zay Jones for like $23 million or something. Yeah, <laughs> so, I don't understand that. Either. What, um, what are you doing they're just guys? they're just throwing around cash. And, you know, hey, good for Christian Kirk. He took a, a mediocre um, 
you know, career with, with the Cardinals to this point, he had some, and and in fairness to Christian Kirk, he had some flashes, Um, but he's being paid like he's all universe Mm -hmm. and he's just a, he's a decent wide receiver with a little bit of upside. Um, So good for Christian Kirk, good for the Kirk family, Um, you know, invest that wisely. Um, Christian Kirk set for life. Yeah, that was a head scratcher. Um, I like Christian Kirk as a player. I've always liked him as a player. But that amount of money is a little bit ridiculous given his production. Um, and especially in a draft class where where you've got some pretty good wide receivers coming out. So if you really wanted to get a wide receiver, you probably could go out and just draft one. Even you know maybe a second or third round guy, you don't have to necessarily spend too much. Um, and, they, and they already spent a lot on their offensive line as well. So I, I, you know, I just don't know. You're going to be in. You're going to be in the top half of the second round. There's not really a receiver I would take in at number. What they have number one. You're going to be the top half of the second round. There's going to be some receivers that could fall into that area that have pretty good talent. You're going to pay far, far less for those guys as opposed to paying a, a premium for Christian Kirk. So that was a head scratcher for me. Um, one of the teams I'm going to call out as a winner in free agency thus far. Um, a lot of people are probably on a couple different teams in the AFC North, whether it's the Browns or the Steelers made some moves. I'm going to give the Bengals, the reigning AFC champions, a, uh, a bit of kudos here. They filled some pretty significant holes that I think immediately make that team better. Um, Lael Collins coming over from Dallas, Alex Kappa. Uh, and Ted Karras, so three guys who could very easily, two of which I think are definitely going to start, three who who very well could start on that Bengals offensive line, which was you know a significant problem that I think has been fixed through free agency. Um, didn't overpay for any of those guys, so I think those were all good moves. Um, and then retaining some of the key players that um, that made that run for. Uh, the AFC Championship and and to the Super Bowl, um, BJ Hill resigning, uh, franchising Jesse Bates. I know that's probably not what he wanted, but he's uh, a linchpin to that secondary. So having Jesse Bates returning for another year, um, Eli Apple. I know he gets a lot of crap, but Eli Apple was a starter for them. At the very least, that's some depth in the defensive secondary. They can still bring in some people, but. Filling in holes, not making necessarily overly splashy free agent moves, um, but finding good quality guys. Uh, the other one I'll call it is Hayden Hurst. They lost CJ Uzama um, to free agency, but bringing in someone like Hayden Hurst, who has a lot of upside, former first round pick, I think that's a good move for them. Um, pairing him with someone like Joe Burrow, I think he could have a productive season. So I really like what the Bengals have done thus far. Uh, subtle, but but good. Yeah, I, I love what they've what they've done, and what you're kind of seeing is the Bengals finally being able to recruit, uh, which is something that normally, I mean, the franchise has been down in the dumps for so long. You don't normally see you know big ticket free agents, and none of these guys were like, you know, these these you know number one listed free agent, blah blah blah. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy, but they they made a lot of really solid, responsible signings. I think Lel Collins was a really good get. Um, and, and I love what you said about Hayden Hurst, you know, and given my affinity for tight ends, um, Hurst has had a tough, tough start to his career. Um, but the athleticism has never been a problem. Um, he could potentially be a, a, a sneaky good, um, get for them, uh, in terms of a pass catching tight end. I mean, I don't think he does that much in terms of blocking, but 
I think it's an interesting fit there. Uh, so, yeah. so keep an eye out, but, uh, yeah, I, I love, I, I love that, that selection. I, I'm going to go with another team here, uh, that, I mean, quite frankly, they've been just incredible, um, in, in both in terms of trading and, and free agency. And I'm talking about the, the LA chargers. Mm. Um, I mean, Khalil Mack, um, JC Jackson, um, they, they re-signed Mike Williams. Uh, they actually just signed Gerald Everett, uh, today, which is a, I think a kind of a sneaky move as well. Kind of in that sort of Hayden Hurst mold where he maybe doesn't offer that much as a blocker, but he's a very, uh, good receiving tight end. Um, they had some injuries at that position last year. So I, I think that's a, that's a really good get for them. But, um, I think the Chargers have set themselves up, um, and I think they're telegraphing that they're ready to take that next step. Um, I think that you've got a, a, a young superstar quarterback. You've got an excellent running game. Um, you know, I think there's there's maybe one spot which which I think they'll address in the draft uh, on, along their offensive line that uh, I've got one guy, and I'm not going to give anything away, but I've got one guy that is on my wish list for for the LA Chargers. Mm. Um, so we'll see if that comes to fruition. But um, I think that they've they've done a ton of work to, to keep pace with that sort of AFC West arms race that's going yeah. on right now. And my gosh, what a division that is. Yeah. I mean, even Las Vegas, who's kind of the consensus, you know, probably fourth team in that division, given what's gone on with the Broncos and Russell Wilson and all those things. Um, the Raiders are good. I mean, they yeah. just signed Devontae Adams. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I, they're they're going to send basically all the wild cards. Yeah. <laughs> to, I'm pretty sure they are anyway. Um, but uh, I mean, barring injury, of course. But yeah, super impressed with uh, with the work that the Chargers have done as well. Yeah, it's interesting when you think about that division. Um, one of the other teams I was going to give some kudos to was the Raiders. So that was going to be my my other winner um, that I was going to throw out there. But when you look at that division, the Chargers certainly improved. Uh, the Raiders improved. I mean, not just with Devontae Adams. I mean, that's obviously fantastic. But you think about Josh McDaniels coming in, uh, brand new style of offense. Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones re- retaining Max Crosby, who has yep. been one of the best finds of the Gruden era. One of the only finds, I think, of the Gruden era when it comes to <laughs> draft. Much. Um, a lot of things that I like from the Las Vegas Raiders. And you know, this is probably a good question to, to get your perspective on. You know, we know Kansas City is the class of that division, at least right now. They they went to the AFC Championship game, have won Super Bowls, gone to Super Bowls, so on and so forth. I think we all like what, what's happening with the Los Angeles Chargers, J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack coming on board, the potential that Justin Herbert has, wide receivers abound, Mike Williams retaining him, Keenan Allen, lots of good things happening in, in Los Angeles. Um, Denver really only adding... Russell Wilson, you have Randy Gregory as well, but Gregory has been up and down throughout his career. I don't know if the Wilson move or the Wilson move coupled with any of the other moves that they've made, uh, meaning they've acquired Randy Gregory, they've acquired uh, Calvin Anderson, Tom Compton, not not really enormous names. Uh, DJ Jones would be probably one of the other bigger names. I don't think if De- Denver did enough to get themselves out of the cellar of the division. 
See, it's it's tough because you you just don't know with a new quarterback coming in. But I I will say in terms of the the weapons at at his disposal, man, Russell Wilson's right up there with with everybody else in in that division. They may have the best receiver core in that division, and I and I say that without batting an eyelash because. You know, you've got Jerry Judy, who's talented, and none of these receivers have been utilized to their full potential just because of of the the subpar quarterback play they've had all year long, or, or I mean, even for the past several years, really. You know, the the whole Drew Locke era going back. I mean, ever since Peyton Manning uh, called it quits, basically. Yeah. Um, Jerry Judy, um, Cortland Sutton coming back healthy. Uh, you got Tim Patrick. Um, you know, and and not to mention their running game. You know, they're they're trying to get Mel- Melvin Gordon back, but um, they've got Javante Williams who really came on strong. They've got a good, solid offensive line. Um, I don't see any of these teams as a clear cut seller dweller here. Um, the only the only team in this division that I would be concerned about, and the only loser from from this particular division would be Kansas City. Not necessarily because of the moves that Kansas City has made, but because of the moves that all of the other teams in their division have made. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I know that Kansas City signed Juju Smith Schuster um to a quote unquote ten million dollar deal, which is really more like three guaranteed with a bunch of incentives. Um, but that was a one year deal. That kind of tells you a lot about what they actually view in terms of the player. Um and listen, I'm I'm as a as a Steeler fan, I you know I, I rooted for Juju and you know wish him all the best, but not exactly the best locker room presence. Not exactly a big team guy. Very much a um, very much a me first kind of dude. Um, and, and I a don't, skill a skill set that's easy to find a lot of different places for a lot cheaper. Uh, agreed, agreed. Yeah. Um, I I'm a little worried if I'm Kansas City. Um, cause listen, the Mahomes magic and Tyree kill and all those things, that's, that's great. And that's always going to keep you competitive. But if you're talking to me about who didn't do enough in the AFC West arms race, my answer is the chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And you know, the chiefs, I think were exposed for a good portion of the year. They got hot at the end and they made the AFC championship game, but, um, it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain this, um, this level of success, it's hard to win division title after division title. I mean, the, the Patriots did it, but it's very hard to win four five, six division titles in a row. Um, so this could be the year where I think the, the chargers and the Raiders in particular, maybe make a push, uh, for that division title over, um, over Kansas city. Uh, but with the Broncos, I would make the argument with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Gerald Everett, who's not the greatest tight in the world, but that's who they, that's probably better than what the Broncos have right now. Um, that passing attack is probably superior to Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and insert tight end here. Albert O. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, you know, that Seattle team was not overly impressive. Um, but the Broncos have a much better offensive line. That's the difference to me. Uh, I wouldn't say much better. I'd say moderately better. Well, anything's better than Seattle's offensive line. Well, that's yeah, <laughs> let's, let's well, do that. Maybe, well, Pittsburgh's offensive line pre okay. pre free agency. Yeah, fair so, enough. 
Um, so we talked about some winners. Um, let's talk about some losers. Who are some either players or teams that you're like, oh man, I really don't like what they did. And I'm going to just pre, um, prerequisite. You can't say anything about Jacksonville. Cause we all know they did bad. Yeah, I understand. I, I understand. Uh, that's, that's low hanging fruit right there. Um, I'm going to go with a uh, friend, friend of the podcast, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. If you look at all of the teams and how desperate they are to land a quarterback, and there's one team out there, the San Francisco 49ers, that are trying to get rid of their starting quarterback, who has still been serviceable to moderately, you know, at least an average quarterback, right? Um, and the market is dead for him. Um, you know, the only team that there were two teams at the start of free agency that Jimmy Garoppolo was tied to. Those were the Colts and the Steelers. On day one of free agency, the Steelers signed Mitch Trubisky and have been out. Um, when you, as the as the 49ers, select a quarterback like this with the, and I'm speaking of course about uh, Trey Lance. When you when you pull off this maneuver and everybody knows that you're trying to offload your quarterback. Um, you can't get a lot in terms of your asking price because his his contract is so large that they really it's going to be detrimental to the team if he's still on the books. Um, so they're they've got to get rid of him, but the market has been absolutely ice cold. I don't suspect I don't expect that that Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded until after the draft. Um, and I think it's going to be one of your your desperate teams. It's going to be maybe the Panthers, maybe the Colts. Um, they won't trade interdivisionally, so Seattle's out of the mix. Um, but, you know, for all of the frenzy around all these quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo's market has been crickets. Um, so that's that's one loser in free agency for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you even see someone like Carson Wentz being moved, and, and you know, Wentz's reputation has sort of fallen off a cliff. Um, and for a team, you know, you've got a, a quarterback here who's gone to a Super Bowl. He's gone to two, maybe three in his career NFC Championship games. Um, played, you know, not great, but pr- but well enough to keep the 49ers, you know, one game away from the Super Bowl. And Carson Wentz gets dealt for before Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. It's just weird to see how ownership views. It's almost like we we develop characters of a player and you know a lot of people see the potential like Carson Wentz flashed that 2017 potential and people are trying to capture lightning in a bottle again and Jimmy Garoppolo's peak was the season where they went to the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs and lost and all they remember is him overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders yep so it's it's kind of interesting even though one's a proven winner one really has never won anything um you know I I don't dislike Carson Wentz or anything but not really the most inspiring of options. Um, one of the teams that I'm going to call out, though, that I think is a loser when you consider what was available in the free agent pool, um, some of the deals that could potentially have been made, and just being kind of quiet. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because often teams that make too big of splashes in free agency don't doesn't really pan out. Look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, but the Chicago Bears, they mm. lose they lose a starting guard. Um, their offensive line already had some woes. 
um, especially the tackle spot. There were some good offensive tackles out there that you probably could have gotten relatively cheap. It's a, it's a very strong offensive line class. I understand that. So you don't necessarily have to overspend. But when I consider the lack of movement, I don't feel overly confident that an entire offensive line built of rookies is going to be sufficient for protecting Justin Fields. The other thing that I didn't see from them is um, the wide receiver core. You lose Allen Robinson. He ends up in in, uh, Los Angeles. You have Darnell Mooney and you have Cole Kmet. Is the the ghost of Jimmy Graham your third best receiver? Like, where's your your wide receiver two here? Um, So that's a little bit concerning for me, the lack of of investment along the offensive line. And then you go and you get rid of Khalil Mack. All of those things lead me to believe that the Matt Eberflus era in Chicago may get off to a bit of a dud which concerns me as a guy who has advocated heavily for Justin Fields in this program that we're wasting two years of this guy's career. Yeah. And, and another, you know, thing that I would throw in there, they don't have a first round pick this year. Um, So they're, I mean, you talk about, you know, building the offensive line through the draft. Yeah, they have two. They have two second round picks. They've got two thirty nine and two forty eight. Other than that, they've got their third round pick, but they don't pick again until the fifth round. Um, so they, it's not like they've got a ton of draft capital either. Um, so I mean, this is not this is not a, a team that has a lot of ammunition to to build and have instant impact players. Um, you know, at some of those need positions, especially offensive tackle, especially wide receiver. Um, and I, I never, I never judge too harshly when teams don't spend in free agency. Um, but really you couldn't keep James Daniels. I mean, you couldn't keep some of these guys. Why, why give Khalil Mack away for nothing? I mean, yeah, I was a second round pick. I get that, but I mean, unless they're, they're going to try to use these two twos to get back up into the first round and, and that's a possibility. Um, I just don't, I just don't know what the blueprint is. I mean, you you can't just draft a quarterback and then just pretend things are going to get better. Mm -hmm. Um, which I guess is a, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is I, I see some subtraction. I don't see much addition and I don't see that you have the, the, the capability with the number of draft picks to actually make a real impact. Um, it's just, it's weird. And you look at the division, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. He's going to be there for another four years. So your 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 biggest tormentor is still in the division. Kirk Cousins returned. Minnesota is going to be better. They have a better head coach and better offensive coach now. And Detroit's getting better. Detroit goes out and signs DJ Chark, who probably Chicago should have looked into signing. They're, they're not attracting people to that team and so I'm just I'm just like when you're when you're thinking about like we talked about the AFC West arms race like these teams are clawing to get to that top and if I'm Chicago everyone around me is getting better or at least staying the same I'm losing pieces yeah yeah and 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 speaking of attracting people um, my my next loser is the entire NFC South with the exception of Tampa Bay. 
um, as they all uh, fell over themselves to try to get Deshaun Watson and and failed. Um, this means different things to different to different organizations. Uh, you know, I think the the Saints, you know, probably have the best roster of that group that includes the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons. Um, and they cleared a ton of cap space to potentially make the deal, which is great because now they've got cap space, but you know, they, they are probably going to have to look at re-signing Jameis Winston or drafting a quarterback, which the, the saints will be okay. Um, however, the other two teams, uh, the Falcons and the Panthers are dumpster fires right now. Uh, you know, first looking at, at the Panthers, um, they reek of desperation in in trying to find a quarterback. Um, they are, you know, they they laid out the full court press for Deshaun Watson. Um, didn't get him. They don't really have anybody else in the pipeline. They're going to need to try to make a make a deal for somebody. Or what's probably going to happen is they're going to use their their pick. I believe it's six overall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they're going to try to draft a quarterback. Um, and we've, we've talked at length about how the NFL appears to be viewing these, these quarterbacks and they, they could still be good. I'm not a, I'm not a talent evaluator, you know, professionally or anything, but, um, I think the, the, what's been done so far leads me to believe the NFL does not view these guys, uh, highly. Um, so that's, that's a big area of concern. You've got Christian McCaffrey's, you know, albatross of a contract mm-hmm. uh, still in the books, and he's only, he only played a handful of games in the last two years. Um, this is a roster that outside of DJ Moore and, you know, Christian McCaffrey when he's healthy, this, Which is there's not, not a lot. Not of, often. Yeah, there's not a lot of talent on this offense. I think the defense is, is still good-ish, um, but I don't think – I, I don't think this regime makes it past this year, barring a uh, some sort of miracle, and 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 that starts with quarterback play. Uh, then you look at at the the Falcons and Matt Ryan, and they kind of did Matt Ryan like low key. They did Matt Ryan kind of dirty, like they they pushed his his uh, roster bonus out a couple days, and and all these types of things. Um, which is, listen, Matt Ryan is not the player he used to be, but he also doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. I mean, yeah. not only did you lose Calvin Ridley, and I'm not saying that losing Calvin Ridley was was their fault. It was very much Calvin Ridley's fault. But then you allow the Buccaneers to sign Russell Gage, who is your only other competent receiver. And I'm not saying Russell Gage is, is a, an all-star. He's probably the third or fourth best wide receiver on the Buccaneers. But what they basically did was just took the the opposition's best wide receiver and just stuck him on the, on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have no wide receivers. You've got Kyle Pitts, which is great. Uh, you know, I still think that he's going to end up being good. Your offensive line is below average. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I get you. You um, you know, you've you've done some things in in the the running game with Cordero Patterson, but you you're really you're really grasping at straws here. And then you indicate to your uh, aging franchise quarterback that you're good. You're trying to do everything you can to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be some, now he handled it in a, in a way that Baker Mayfield did not, but there's going to be some, some mending offenses there. I would not be surprised if Matt Ryan doesn't get moved at some point to maybe 
I don't think a Indianapolis, but maybe a Seattle, something like that. I, I don't see that as being outside of the realm of possibilities. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all of the NFC South, with the exception of the Buccaneers, are losers for me. Yeah, the two the two teams you mentioned there, the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons, I think are cautionary tales. When you look at teams that spent big money on non-premier positions or, or, or invested heavily in non-premier positions, I mean, look at Carolina. Christian McCaffrey's contract, the guy's hurt all the time because he's a running back, and running backs get hurt all the time. He's a great talent. He's a fantastic football player. He is as skillful as they come. Dual threat out of the backfield, tons of great things. Fact of the matter is, running backs, they're replaceable. Offensive line is a cornerstone of your team. Pass rush, cornerstone of your team. Good quarterback play, probably the biggest cornerstone of your entire team. And you look at Atlanta, investing heavily in in Kyle Pitts, when they probably should have been looking at someone like Penny Sewell, they should have been they should be looking at a lot of you know, Rashawn Slater. They should have been looking at the offensive line. Um, these are teams that have neglected the premier and most important positions on the field in favor of replaceable positions. And this is what happens. You don't invest in a franchise quarterback. You don't invest in top tier pass catchers. You don't invest in protecting your quarterback uh, or developing a sturdy offensive line for your run game. This, this is what happens. Agreed. So uh, one one last loser, um, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. But I ha- I have there's one story out of free agency that just made my eyes roll. J.D. McKissick. <laughs> what are we doing, bud? You, you've, you've got a team in Buffalo who I, I think is probably another winner of free agency. You can argue that the Von Miller contract is too long, but they may just ditch him before that. They may, there's ways to work around that money. Um, but for, for right now, it's a good move. And they're, they're, I think, very much in win-now mode, as they should be. But when I look at Buffalo, I've got Josh Allen. I've got um, – you look at what Matt Breida and Zach Moss did, and those guys are not to the caliber of running back or uh, pass catcher out of the backfield as J.D. McKissick is. So you have an opportunity to potentially supplant Devin Singletary as the starter, barring them bringing in someone in the draft. Um, You're a part of an incredibly potent attack with Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox. I mean, you could make a killing coming out of the backfield and catching screen passes, coming in the backfield and catching halfback angles and, you know, all the different routes that they can run. And you're, you're, you're definitely going to be playing and competing for a Super Bowl. And you go to the Washington Commanders, the, the biggest dumpster fire outside of Jacksonville and Cleveland that you can possibly imagine, the most mundane, boring, hopeless franchise run by the worst owner in professional sports and you forfeit your chance to go to Buffalo to play in Washington. I have no words. I had a lot of words actually, but still. Yeah, that was a weird one. Um, It was a weird one because I, I, I forget. uh, was it Brandon Bean is the, the GM for the bills. Yeah. Um, he actually made a comment about it, which is highly unusual. 
Um, because apparently McKissick had basically committed to, to going to Buffalo and then the, the commanders didn't really back off. They kept, they kept pushing and they, they basically just tacked on a million more dollars, which, Hey, listen, I get it. I mean, if somebody offered me a million more dollars to, to go do the same thing, I would do it at the other place too. I get that. Um, but just a strange, just a strange incident. Um, I mean, it's JC, it's JD McKissick too. That's, I mean, yeah, we're not talking about Patrick Mahomes here either. I mean, no disrespect to him, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was odd. Um, but it also tells you a little bit from the, from the bill's point of view, what they think they need. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, the role that they, you know, potentially Moss and Brita have in that, in that backfield moving forward after Singletary kind of, you know, took it over last year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I still don't think they have a solution at running back. I still think Josh Allen appears to be their RB one, uh, probably not sustainable for the long term. So they definitely should be looking to find somebody, but, um, so we covered Cleveland. We covered the Deshaun Watson trade. We covered Baker Mayfield. We covered free agency arms races in the, in the AFC West and, um, you know, really throughout, um, haplessness abounds in the NFC South. Uh, anything else, from free agency or anything else as we head towards draft prep that you wanted to cover off today? Um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting when we get a little bit closer to the draft, you know, we'll start talking about some of the prospects, but I do think there are some obvious, um, team fits, um, for, for some of the guys that are coming out. Um, but, but quarterback is a mess, um, you know, this year, it'll be interesting to see where those guys go, but we'll get into that. Um, my, my mock draft should be out, uh, early this week. So, um, stay, uh, stay tuned for that. We'll post it at the site when it's available. Um, but no, I, I think we've covered off on pretty much everything. Maybe we didn't give, uh, the, the, um, Adams trade the press that it deserves, but it's just a, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. Um, and I find it very surprising that Rogers knew that Adams was not going to be back, but still chose to stay in green Bay. I I would love to have been a fly on the wall during one of those conversations. Cause I was, frankly, I was stunned when that happened. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if he's got more faith in the receivers that are currently in the room, which I mean, listen, they've got some decent talent. I mean, they got Lazard and, you know, Randall Cobb's getting up there in age unless they, they promised Rogers that they were going to draft him, you know, a couple of wide receivers, which this is the year you heard it here first that, that, that green Bay takes a wide receiver in the first round. Yeah. 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 It's interesting when you think about the Green Bay Packers situation, um, you know, the Devontae Adams thing, apparently he knew Rogers knew before Adams left. Um, but the question still begs, like, what do you do with Jordan Love after after Rogers resigned? It's a wasted pick. That's what it is. It's a wasted it, pick. It makes the pick even worse. But then the, the the question, there's no there's no rumors going around and maybe things happen in the background that we're not aware of, but why aren't you calling Carolina? Why aren't you calling Seattle or or um, uh, Indianapolis, like Houston? Why aren't you trying to maybe shop Jordan Love? Because Unless you are. I mean, they, they could be, but it doesn't sound like they are because you're three years into his rookie deal. And he's got a, I think it's a four, you get a four year rookie contract for a first round pick with a fifth year option. 
So his contract is going to expire next year. And you draft him in the first round. He's played like two in two games for you. And you get you signed Rodgers to a four-year deal. So Jordan Love's never going to play or be a starter or, you know, an opening day starter for the Green Bay Packers. It, it makes the it makes the trade even, or the, uh, the draft pick even worse, and it makes the rationale for not pursuing a trade currently very confusing. Oh, I agree, 100%. Um, it was a bad pick when they made it. It's been a bad pick since. Yeah, yeah, really mismanaged. Um, and I think a lot of the drama in Green Bay could have easily been avoided by just drafting one of the wide receivers. You know, or, or yep. literally anything else that Green Bay needed at that point in time. I mean, the roster still has, you know, plenty of holes that need filled, but I don't know. Um, yeah, it's and there's going to be a ton of, of receivers available. Uh, you even look at some of the like the really you know top tier kind of guys, like like both of the Alabama guys are probably yeah. going to be around in that range because of the injuries they sustained late in the year. Yeah, you look at Jamison uh, Jamison Williams, yeah. uh, John Mechie. Uh, there's Jahan Dotson from Penn State, who's going to be probably available in that range. Uh, there's a chance that one of the Ohio State guys falls, Garrett yeah. Williams or Chris Olave. I mean. There's going to be a lot of good wide receivers in this class. And the other guy that they've got in-house is Amari Rogers from Clemson, who really didn't get much of a chance because of the trade for Randall Cobb. Yeah, He's got some talent, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see how it all pan. I mean, Alan Lazard has been relatively productive in his time. I, I don't think he's a number one wide receiver by any stretch of the imagination. But um, there's still some things that Green Bay can do. But again, the Jordan Love situation is just pretty perplexing. Agreed. Well, cool. All right. Well, um, I think with that being said, folks, we are going to wrap for today. So hope you enjoyed the discussion. Uh, if you disagree with us about Cleveland, Watson, free agency, any of our takes, take it up with us on Twitter. Um, we'll have the the handle in the episode description. Uh, look for Bill's mock coming out early this week. Um, should be some good stuff. So check that out. See where we think the uh, top prospects are going to fall. And then we will be back uh, in a couple of days or maybe a week. Depends on what schedules look like. Uh, and we're going to open with some draft prep. We're going to be taking a look at the uh, 2022 quarterback crop. Uh, you got a little bit of a sneak preview. Not the greatest crop we're looking at, but we'll give you the the, the full rundown uh, next time. All right. Well, hey. Always appreciate it and hope everybody has a great um, morning or evening, depending on when you listen to this. But uh, we are right back in the thick of it, folks. All right. Thanks for being with us and we'll talk soon. Take care, everybody.